hey podcast bot play me a podcast okay what podcast would you like to hear how do you engineer playing Hey! Hey! It's us! Hey, education. The hosts. The hosts. That's not how we intro this usually. <laughs> I'm a host. <laughs> Peter Martin. <laughs> I'm a host, Abby Desjardins. And I'm a host, Simon Whitmell. Alright. There we go. So, uh, here we are again with a discussion type episode, which, um, we've gotten some feedback from some listeners, not viewers, listeners, who've nice. said that, uh, we should, we should tune in these discussions on more specific topics. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like too rambly. Yeah. Take take our one hour discussions and break them into into two half hour discussions that are more on specific topics. Yeah. Now if you disagree, let us know. And yeah. we'll go back to our previous format. We're we are totally at the whim of the listeners. Yep. We are we're gonna do exactly what you guys tell us to do. But for now we're gonna try to <laughs> rein it in a little bit to closer to half an hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's the idea. And this week I had an idea, which is in keeping with the only category I could really pick on iTunes when we first published, which was that we are tech news. And so for a while, for a few of these discussions, we've been trying to talk about tech newsy style things. And uh, this will be another one. We've been doing this for a while. I wasn't aware of that. Well, we talked about like future tech and that's always in the news and stuff like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the invisible hand of podcasting. Yes. I'm guiding you. I right. just don't know. I'm okay with that. Um, But for now, today, we're going to talk about bots. Bots. Yep. Not butts. Bots. <laughs> well, we may talk about butts, but anyway. Mostly Robot bots. Butts. Inevitably. Um, so bots are uh, a technology that's been gaining steam recently with a lot of companies that are trying to make a mark in the technology world. Um, some of them are obviously well-known, like Microsoft and Facebook. Some of them may be less well-known, like Slack. Um, but generally, the idea of a bot is that it is a... Um, it's not quite an artificial intelligence it's more sort of a little worker. It's like a technological little worker guy. It's, like, um, it's an extremely specialized artificial intelligence. Yeah, it knows a lot about a very specific thing or how to do a very specific set of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the time when they demo these bots, it's generally something like you type into a Facebook messenger window, hey, pizza bot, I'd like some pizza. And you get a, a message back from Facebook messenger saying, okay, um, do you want pepperoni? And you'd be like, sure. And then they're like, oh, do you want it delivered to your house? And you're like, yep. And then it comes to your house. So it's sort of integrating intelligence for certain tasks into the the spaces in social media where you normally live. So places like Facebook and Slack and just on your laptop with systems like uh, that Microsoft one that's in Windows now. Yeah, I forget what it's called. Cortana? Cortana, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That sort of stuff, yeah. Apparently none of us played Halo because I think that's a Halo thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? No, I didn't play Halo. No, neither did I. Anyway, and Siri, obviously, and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's less to do with voice and more to do with having integration into places where you live digitally. But it is like part of it is tying it into natural language processing, whether it's spoken or typed. Yes. It's the fact that you don't need to know commands. Right. Mm-hmm. It's being able to say, hey, I want a pizza as opposed to pizza, me, address, now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> me dot pizza equals yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole other aspect, which we'll get, probably get into in a little bit, which is that the this is only sort of a layer of the overarching technology that they're talking about the the bot layer is basically just these small little workers that companies themselves will create for their company so for instance 
um, if you're a Pizza Hut, you'll have a Pizza Bot that knows how to order pizza using the Pizza Hut service or the Pizza Hut backend. The API? Yeah, learned all exactly. About. And then also if you are like 1-800-Flowers, then you know how to order flowers for people and people can type into their Skype window, hey, I'd like to get some flowers and it knows how to do that. But uh, on top of that, there's the other layer, which are systems like Cortana and Siri, where you have digital assistants that know how to talk to all of these bots. And that's sort of getting into the direction of the AI, the more generalized. It would appear from the front end to be more of a generalized AI because it's it, ha, it can call into a bunch of specialized AIs. Exactly. So it's, it's the difference between you typing into a website or a command window or a message window, um, I'd really like some chocolate ice cream, or you saying like, hey, Alexa, I want some ice cream. Yeah. That, you, that digital well, assistant's a whole other level on top. Well, but even even like typing in like I want some ice cream to a certain extent, like Google is functioning in that way. When you don't know what you're looking for, you go and you just type a sentence. You're like, I would like to fly a quadcopter, and you type it into Google, and it'll bring up like sites where people have directed you to things yeah, you need to know. Absolutely. So I mean, like the structure's already there. It's just making it yeah. more streamlined and mm-hmm. trying to offload some of the development onto individual companies that want to try to build systems to service this kind of industry so for instance if i um tell my phone like okay google set my thermostat to 20 degrees my the digital assistant on my phone which is the okay google system knows how to talk to my nest because my nest has a bot Mm. and it knows that nest is what you're probably talking to because you don't have any other thermostats installed on your phone and it knows i have a nest app so it knows i probably have a nest at home it's okay. associated with my same Google account. So there's there's different ways of authenticating and stuff like that. But yeah, the general idea is that your assistant talks to other people's bots. Yeah. But I guess then the, then the question becomes like behind the scenes, if you've got your your digital assistant, you're like, hey, digital assistant, like I call him Jarvis. Hey, Jarvis, I want a pizza. How does Jarvis know which API? Is he talking to the Pizza Nova API? Is he talking to the Pizza Hut API? Right. So then it might Jarvis might come back and say like, what kind of pizza? Do you want Pizza Nova or do you want Pizza Hut? Because that Jarvis assistant would only have a certain number of registered bots that it knows about. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then it could, or you could even like take it a level up where it wouldn't even ask necessarily what kind of be like, what kind of pizza do you want? Like thin crust or thick crust? Do you want it? Like, yeah. If you don't care where it pizza. comes from, you could just be like, I want thin crust Italian sausage. And it's like, okay, well there's one down the street that I know how to talk to. I'll just buy that. Yeah. And then that gets into your, what you were talking about with like yeah. marketing to computers. Exactly. Where you're trying to make, or you come up with something where it's like, this is a flexible deal. Yeah. You, you could tell, I guess then your digital assistant could also learn things about you. You'd be like, when you want a pizza, but you don't care where it's from, you probably want the cheapest pizza or yeah. the closest pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I tell my assistant that I want pad thai, it's probably going to go to the place I always get pad thai from. Yeah. So as long as you, as long as you've got pad thai at least once before. Yeah. And then you're right. You get into some of the, the other interesting marketing aspects where if Loblaws and Sobeys and a number of other Canadian Grocery stores, most people listening probably don't know about. Um, <laughs> those are grocery stores for people who don't know. <laughs> if they have bots, those bots could potentially compete for the attention of the digital assistants. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that would be awesome, especially if you get a behind the scenes, like a bidding system going and mm-hmm. be like, I want a pizza. I want to pay as little for the pizza as possible. And then you're like, digital assistant can haggle for you. Yeah. And then things <laughs> get really creepy when the assistant doesn't need you to tell it to do stuff. It just does it on its own. If it's like, Hey, you're out of almond milk and just buys it for you. Or it's like, it's Thursday, you probably want a pizza and yeah. just orders one anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get home after being on vacation for two weeks and there's like four pizzas sitting on your front doorstep. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to get into at some point the, the topic of this, is this a thing we like and want? Is this, is this something that is cool and exciting or is this just a thing that is going to come and die? 
So like the, the motivation, if I understand, the motivation for a lot of these bot systems is to try and sidestep the fact that the operating systems are well entrenched. You yeah. can't really come in with a new operating system and say, I'm going to compete with Apple and Android. But what I can do is I can make something that runs on Apple and Android that everyone wants to use. And exactly. It doesn't matter what operating system it's on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Part of the motivation, as far as I understand, um, in the media that I pay attention to for creating these is exactly that. There are the companies that won, for instance, the smartphone race are already established. Google and Apple won. Yeah. If you want to compete, you have to basically play with Google and Apple in terms of operating systems. Then that's basically your only option. If somebody else comes out now and says, Hey, I made a new operating system. It's called BlackBerry 10. No one cares. <laughs> but, <Ooh. laughs> but that being said, these are, they're still really large, obnoxiously rich companies like Facebook and Twitter and those sorts of guys that want to get into the smartphone market. I was going to say, if they're, if they're BlackBerry fans out there, you could just pretend we said the Windows phone OS. Yeah. Sure. Windows phone. Yeah. Equally applicable. (laughs) Yeah. So basically there are all these big companies with lots of money that want to be the next smartphone. They want to get into people's hands and be in front of them all the time. And so the idea is that if they leverage these bot systems, people can use Android and they can use iOS and that's what they're going to use for their phones. But when they're using their phones, they'll mostly be living in the space these apps create because it'll be the easiest experience to use their phones and to access services and do what they want to do on their phones. So they basically live in the operating system, but people, they're the highest level of the stack of technology that interacts most with people. Mm -hmm. Well, from the point of view of like um, user experience, I like the sound of this because it makes it a lot easier to do a lot of the things that you, that UIs don't do well. Yeah. Like getting, just getting to where you can order a pizza. Like just have, going and finding particular pieces of information, especially like if it's the, like Google's made it very easy to just sort of type in random words and it'll take you to what you're thinking of. You're like that gymnast with the face and it'll get you that picture from the Olympics way back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it's good at finding that sort of thing, but the, I find myself just going to Google for everything because I don't want to bother having to remember where stuff happens and right. what the interaction is. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like that this would bring it all into one place and I don't mm-hmm. have to like rely. And that's the idea. Like we spend a lot of our time at the office on Slack. If you could just in your Slack window say, Hey, I want some pad thai. Yeah. That's the, what Slack wants you to do. Yeah. And well, that's why Slack was one of the first companies that we came really came out there front and center off the gate with a bot system. Because that was part of what they were offering was not just office messaging and things like that, but also their built-in bot system. Mm-hmm. Uh, automation integration. Exactly, yeah. It certainly does. It, it, it streamlines a lot of things, but you don't need to go 10 different places to find. Like it, It's the digital system that's going doing the walking for you. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of integration, which also helps with similar systems where it's not just sort of ordering pizza, but also getting updates from your servers or... Stuff that you do at the office that can integrate really nicely and give you notifications when you want them about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And also scheduling, things like that where you want to be like, like, do this later. Here's the things I want you to do. But like a lot of the automation for um, getting things to happen when you want them to happen requires at least like cursory understanding like um, IF. Oh, I, yeah, IFTTT. Mm-hmm. If this, then that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, which comes back to our fuzzy episode. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's fairly simplistic. You can learn it pretty, like pretty quickly, but yeah. just finding, um, 
their recipes, I think is yeah, what they refer to. Yeah. yeah. Finding a recipe for what you want to do can be a little bit of a trek because you got to find somebody who's sort of worked in that direction or has laid the groundwork for it. Whereas this would be like your, your assistant, you would say, I want to do this at this time if this is true and then let the assistant do all of the, the construction behind this, behind the scenes to actually put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, figure it out for you. Yeah. yeah. It's also interesting because if they're going to be successful, these organizations need to be very friendly with all of their potential competitors. And that's basically where currently systems like the Amazon Echo are really winning because they don't care who they integrate with. They, they'll integrate with anyone who's willing to use their their systems and their um, APIs and things like that to be able to talk to Alexa, but they don't really care. Because of it, like behind the scenes, they're not, they're not selling any particular product. Right. And that's why Alexa's, that's why the ecosystem is winning because it has such integration with a wide variety of cust- of different, uh, endpoints like Uber and as well as pizza and everything else because they'll, they're just happy to work with anyone. Whereas companies like Facebook and Google and Microsoft are more likely not to want to work with each other. Man, do you remember when Amazon was a bookstore? Like not a store, but like when they were in competition with like specifically yeah. with like Chapters Indigo and those mm-hmm. guys, yeah, yeah, and Barnes and Noble. I, think I still I've buy books a... on it. I still buy books on Amazon. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, I would no longer consider them a bookseller. Like, they would I wouldn't consider them competition to no. Chapters. I would no. consider them competition to everybody yeah. all the time. If we're gonna side note on Amazon, I find it amazing the number of things that I just go to Amazon to buy now because I can't bother trying to figure out where else to buy stuff. It's true, and the. Well, this, this ties in quite nicely, actually, though, because that's the thing. Amazon has become a, a center point for, I just want to buy something. I don't know who sells it. It's a shopping assistant. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll tell you, here's all the different people selling it. And like, especially when you get, you go to buy a product and it comes up with like, here are, there are other deals. Here's the best of them besides like the primary seller for it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, all you've got to do with that is you take it a step further and you say, you go to Amazon and you just say, I want to buy a quad rotor and it takes you, here's, here's like, Pulls in reviews, pulls in sellers, and gives you like, here's your highest rating. It's already something it basically does. It's just right now you have to go to Amazon and put it into the search box. And it's a pain to go anywhere else because you have to sign up for an account. You have to figure out shipping. Oftentimes the shipping is going to charge you import fees if you're coming from the States and you have to try to figure out if it's going to take a week or a month to get there. Mm -hmm. Amazon's just like, whatever, I just hit three buttons and I bought it and it arrives two days later. And there's also, I mean, Amazon's also... um, I mean, we're we're kind of getting all like Amazon fanboy here now, but like Amazon's also getting into uh, being the intermediary for other people to sell their things from their site. You can pay through Amazon, so making that a step a step back to just creating an Amazon like storefront, yeah. mm-hmm. where literally like you just buy everything through Amazon. But this is interesting because let's say that if you had the ability on your phone in that little Google box you have at the top of your home screen, yeah, just to type. I want some pants. And it would come back and be like, all right, what pants are you looking for? You'd be like, I want some Hurley jeans. You'd be yeah. like, all right, what size? And then it just buys them on Amazon and ships them to you. Mm-hmm. Is that something you'd use? I think that once I got into using it, I would find it hard to use anything else. Yeah. Like right now, it's not something – I'm not sitting here going, ugh, I hate trying to figure out where to buy pants. But if I was already doing that, like if that was something that was part of my – Actually, okay. So that's that. Here, here's the counter argument. It's I can see systems like this becoming really, really easy to offload onto and really hard to move away from once you are like in, like ingrained in them. You almost get dependent. Like 
Where did mm-hmm. I buy pants before? Yeah. How did I buy pants before <laughs> Amazon told me where to buy pants? That's funny because in my mind, it almost is akin to when people started using smartphones where like for a while I only had a, a candy bar phone and have a smartphone. And my wife didn't either. She just had the cheapest one that the cell phone company would give us. And then I got a BlackBerry and that was like, I was like, okay, I'm never going back to a candy bar phone. I can't not have email and stuff and web browsing and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was the same with her. She got her first um, smartphone and like now it's impossible to go back to like a, to even conceive of going back to a regular little flip phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my only fear would be that it would make... I, I, I don't say fear. I shouldn't say fear because I don't, I'm not really that worried about it, but I can see people being worried about the fact that this will make people less able, able to shop other ways, but, or like, to lo- do, like local economies and yeah, yeah. It, it's, if you're not, then it becomes a thing as if you're not selling through Amazon or through like some particular, like if you're not selling through Amazon or if you're not a provider for Walmart or if you're not one of these like congl- part of these conglomerates, then you're never going to even get seen by 99.9% of the populace. But even then you're still going to tend towards the organizations and companies that you really prefer. So like if I do say, Hey Google, I want some Thai food. And it's going to order it from someplace an hour's drive from here that's a big corporation. I don't necessarily want that. Mm-hmm. I want the Thai food from down the street. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't have a bot, I'm still going to go there. It's just more awkward. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, maybe you will. I'm just saying like it, you can say that now, but it's true. Two, two or three years into buying literally everything through your, through this bot, are you going to be like, Oh, okay, bot, you, you're ordering pizza from a mile away. Yeah. I want to go to the place at this corner of the street. I don't know. It's, it's, it's an added step and added effort. I mean, it also begs the question, like, they're going to have to have very specific, at least at the beginning, use cases that are really valuable for this. Cause a lot of times in marketing, you have to identify the clear need that people have for this technology. Like, what is, what is the, the friction? Like, where is the point of, of pain that mm-hmm. you have with not being able to do something you want to be able to do more easily or more effectively? Yeah. And I don't feel like necessarily in all cases, that exists for these sorts of systems but if they can identify that up front then absolutely people will start using it and stay using it and Mm -hmm. like the example that they were giving on the vergecast podcast was uh let's say that uh one of the integrations i think they first showed by microsoft it was either microsoft or facebook was ordering flowers Mm. and they're like when was the last time you ordered flowers through like facebook messenger How, why like that, that why would you not just like they're 1-800 flowers just call the phone number you can talk to a person mm-hmm. like and, they, and, and the person is doing already doing what you would be yeah. doing with, mm-hmm. with this bot and so that that obviously doesn't make as much sense as other situations where there is that pain point that you want to alleviate i i like um like what would be interesting would be if you integrated something like one of my favorite websites or pair of websites are the wire cutter and sweet home. And it's just because like they have people, they get together experts and they review a whole bunch of a particular thing. And if it's like, I want to buy the other day, I want to buy a rice cooker. And I mean, Amazon has a gajillion rice cookers and they've all got crazy reviews all over the place and they don't really, but you go to wire cutter and you're like, wire cutter, what's the best rice cooker? And they got together a bunch of experts. They got like the sushi chef and some people, and sat them all down and tested a bunch of rice cookers. And they're like, here's all the things you need to know about rice cookers. Now I want to take that entire article and I want to boil it down to this like one API call where it's like, I want a rice cooker. I want to spend – the first question is do you want to spend less than $100 or more than $100? And then that's all you really need to say. There's two rice cookers that you really want to pick from. Yeah, no, it's true. Because of my background, I have time and time and time again been asked by people, I want to buy a laptop. What laptop do I buy? Yeah. And it always comes down to, like you said, the same questions like how much do you want to spend? 
Cause you can spend, you can buy a hundred laptops for under a thousand dollars, but yeah. like it, the number is very important yeah. cause then you can get the best one for that price point. You're like, okay, what's more important to you? Screen size, weight, power, what are you going to use it for? Right. And then you, from there you narrow down the options until you find the one that fits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so that, that then, then the, the industry becomes being the guys behind the scene that create the information and organize in such a way that the bots can retrieve it and give it to you really effectively. What, right. Which computers do really well. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to need an overhaul though of the, uh, the current like ranking systems that are out there because like all of the like pay for five star reviews and all that is going to really screw up these bots. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I was going to say, how are you going to know if information is legitimate? Well, and that's one of the things that like one of the other thing I fear with this system is that the internet really likes screwing up things. Like Microsoft had their Twitter bot that the internet made into like a racist bigot. Yeah. In one day. Yeah. Because the internet just likes doing stuff like that to prove it can, mm-hmm. and well, this is that, parts that, of the internet. Okay, yes, but the, groups <laughs> of people. The best organized parts of the internet like to make things yeah. terrible because they the can. Truth. Organized. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah, they are organized. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean that that's one of the things that you're going to have to contend with is that these kinds of systems are going to come under active. It's going to be social engineering attack, but it's going to be social engineering of a an automated system. Yeah, but I mean, like there there are safeguards and there are ways to do it so that can't happen. Like they that bot that the that Microsoft debuted had been running for years in China with no problem. Yeah, and so like there's there's ways and markets where you can do different things. I mean, if you have a pizza bot, it's not like people are going to hack it so that if you order vegetarian pizza, it always sends you pepperoni. No, but I but I could see people actively going in and like messing up the system so that it's it favors one company or another not because they favor they want that company to succeed but just yeah. to see if they can do it mm-hmm. and my option my example really should have been meat lovers that was, that was a missed opportunity <laughs> but uh anyway you're oh. right it's uh there is potential for you to yeah to to force the system to adopt your product or your solution well mm-hmm. and i think unfortunately with this kind of thing it's like a lot of uh any kind of exploit a lot of them you're never going to know until it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So these kinds of systems are going to have to go wrong a lot in order for people to figure out the ways in which they can go wrong. Because like you're, you're just never going to be able to think of all the ways in which the internet's going to be able to screw yeah. up your internet facing device. Or yeah. you have to really trust the provider. Like if it isn't the companies that provide these, these, I mean, the companies can provide the bots, but the, the end resultant recommendation that your personal assistant makes has to, you have to trust that it's totally unbiased. You have to be like, okay, Google or Siri or whatever. When when I tell you that I want a newspaper, newspaper. <laughs> I tell my personal <laughs> digital assistant that I want a newspaper. Um, I want your response to be unbiased. I want it to be the best for me, not necessarily the one that paid your company the most yeah, money. Yeah. And so I want to know. It, I want to know what your personal digital assistant's unbiased opinion of newspapers is. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's <Yeah>. that? <laughs> um, and so in that case, you. I mean, part of it's just you have to trust them. Part of it is maybe that the the providers of this information have to be not anyone like not the companies themselves maybe yeah. it is like wire cutter well, that's, exact, that's exactly the yeah. difference it's like i do not in any way trust amazon reviews no because it's just proven time and time again that you can pay lots of people to make reviews and it's really hard to pick those reviews out on a large scale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas i mean yeah i do trust wire cutter because they have a whole section in each of their articles that says why you should trust us and it's like here's yeah. all the people we brought in and why they know what they're talking about and so if you add a ask a broad question Maybe you can the same way that you used to be able to choose your search, your like your preferred search system in your browser. Maybe you can choose like your preferred 
review site, whether oh. it's like Wired or The Verge or, or Wirecutter or, like, or whatever. Bring, yeah, bring in like consumer reports. Yeah. Be like, I want my, I want my, my purchases driven by, oh man, that would give a lot of power to those companies. Yeah. Though. Yeah. That's interesting. But I mean, I'm sure that some of them are struggling to find their niche and this could be it. If you say like, I want a mattress and they're like, well, you know, Consumer Reports recommends that uh, you should really get yourself a Siemens mattress as opposed to a Casper mattress or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, is there no reason why those companies would then be paid off? Like, well, yeah. yeah. Again, it's a question of trust. You'd have yeah. to trust the company that's giving you giving the information to the bots. And if you find through investigations that they are being paid off, then everyone stops using them and they they disappear. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, you, people are going to cheat. You know, you know behind oh, the scenes yeah, that yeah. there's going to be questionable wheelings and dealings. The question is whether it's like whether it's trustworthy enough that you will that you're willing to make those choices mm-hmm. i mean right now that's really not a whole lot different from how people are buying things online right now assuming that like amazon reviews are legitimate like how many things when i go buy something on amazon i don't care which one i get a lot of times i will just go with like the highest ranked one knowing yeah. that those numbers are skewed but i i don't actually care enough to worry about mm-hmm. whether the numbers are skewed or yeah. even assuming that google's not doing their own thing because half the time when i want reviews for something i don't really know a whole lot about i just google search reviews and i'm like oh person really liked this garage door opener yeah. okay i guess i'll get it and if you don't pay attention you click on the sponsored things at the top anyway yeah. and they're paying they, and they're like not even hiding it they're paying google to i mean get their stuff at the top. half the time i'll trust reviews on the website that's manufactures the thing i'm buying just because i don't know it's, it's a data point yeah mm-hmm. no i mean we're already putting a lot of trust in the system it's just the question is whether we're moving ourselves by one by one degree by having a computer do the being the intermediary makes us even more or even, or even less likely to question I we, we should, should be do. trusting everything should go through the government because <laughs> <laughs> they're not corrupt at all this seems like a good time to wrap up so what's what's our overall I, th- I think that from a technological point of view, this could be easy to implement, hard to perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's going to be really easy to make a front end for this that will do a lot of things. It will do most of them badly and it will do some of them so badly that it may completely collapse. There are also a lot of technologies that have come out similar to this where people have been like, oh, it's okay. We'll just do, we'll build up the architecture and build up the groundwork and then other companies will just adopt it and everyone will be happy and live together holding hands and singing songs and yeah. it doesn't happen like in to a certain extent the only thing i can remember that's ever done that effectively is just straight up the web because like um, most companies have websites mm. mm-hmm. but those companies don't necessarily have the ability to create their own bots except I, that uh i guess nowadays a lot of them have like facebook and twitter and stuff which i always found totally ridiculous it would be really interesting to use the web as your as your data point like a decade ago, it wouldn't have mattered to me whether a company had a website, but now I generally will not buy anything from a company that doesn't have a website. Or one that has a bad website. Yeah, even at that. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if in 10 years it comes down to the same sort of thing. It's like, if I have to go to your website, it's like, for now, it's like, if I have to call you, I'm not going to buy. Yeah. If I have to go to your website, I'm not buying anything from you. Your bot isn't going to get it for me. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, I think it's a really, really exciting possibility if it's done well. Yeah. I think it's a terrifying possibility if it's done poorly. I think it'll take some time. Yeah. And I think it's going to have to go really wrong a couple times. Mm -hmm. But you can really build it out to do some really powerful stuff. It just occurred to me. Can you imagine, this is going to be a very mechanically oriented thing, but if you were able to take a picture of, um, let's say like a through hole on a particular thing that you had 3D printed or that you'd machined. Yeah. And say, hey, McMaster car bot, I want a fastener for this. And it's just mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. Yeah, just find something that'll fit. Yeah, I'd be like, most of the time when people have this sort of situation, they probably want to have this type of cap screw. 
and they might ask you a couple of questions, but then it just shifts you a bunch. Like yeah. that would be super useful. Well, mm-hmm. especially if you're like, you could say, I'm, I'm going to make a hundred of these. Like I want some samples of what you could give me that would fasten this. And it, yeah. send, it sends you a bunch of like tech samples. Yeah. I need some springs for this latch. Yeah. Send me a bunch of springs that'll fit in here. Yeah. It, it certainly has a change of gears or I mean, to t- also just to tie it into your, uh, once we get into the self-driving cars and you're like, I want to go here and your personal, assi- like your personal assistant goes and says, okay, here, I'm bringing you a self-driving car that will take you to this train station and I've bought you a ticket to get on yeah. this train. Like you don't need to think about it. You're just like, I need to go here. I need to he- be here by then. And yeah. your computer says, ding, be outside at like yeah. 345. Well, that's mm-hmm. what they do now with Uber and Alexa. You can say, Alexa, I want a car. Yeah. And it no, I'm, I'm saying with if you Uber take it a step it. forward, you mash yeah, it together with the, with the, with the train the ticket and, and yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so you're, true. It's not even like, I want a car. It's like, I need to be in New London, I, England. Yeah, I need yeah. to be in London and England at this time. And it looks and says, okay, I'm going to get you a self-driving car that's going to take you to this particular airport because yeah. it's faster than going to this other airport. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Or even they, there's a lot of companies now looking into building personal aircraft. And yeah. in that case, you just say that and they're like, okay, and something lands in your front yard and you get yeah. it and it flies you to work. Or- that would be so cool. Mm. No, I, I think that'll be really cool. I think, again, that that sort of thing is going to be really scary at first because it's when it doesn't work it's going to fail in spectacular and interesting ways and i don't know if the companies involved right now are the right ones to do it properly i mean they're the ones that are trying to do it because they they're they're desperate and they're hungry for it but i almost I, feel like it'd be but like all the companies that have done this really well this kind of overhaul in the past have been companies that didn't you didn't see coming looking yeah. out of left field and be like i made a really good bot and i'm going to generalize it yeah like Amazon went from we we got really good at selling books now let's sell everything and they keep saying like Echo when it first came out was not good no it's just they've it's been around long enough that they've been able to refine it and get the integration and get the companies on board and now it is good only because it's been around for a while mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I, it's entirely possible that people who will do this amazingly we don't even aren't even on the radar right now or they are for something totally different yeah exactly yeah it'll be someone to be like some some online shoe seller will be will just create the greatest <laughs> bot. And then they'll be like, well, we could also sell everything and then it'll suddenly be the thing. Yeah. Or like some company that's, that's trying to find something else to do, like HTC. Yeah. Like maybe they'll do it because they're trying to find something to do with themselves. And yeah. They've mm-hmm. got some they've, engineers. They've, they've got, yeah, they've got the tech, the, the brain trust. HTC, you should do it. Yeah. Credit me. If, the, if they do, <laughs> we're going to call back to this and people are going to be so impressed. Yeah. We predict the future. We called it. Now, if they didn't, everyone will forget. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess uh, maybe we'll just wrap up with uh, shout-outs to our longtime sponsor, Kwanzer, for uh, continuing to fund our fun and frolicsome ganters through engineering they've fields been, of lore. They've been our sponsor infinitely longer than anyone else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was true the first episode that they sponsored as well. But <laughs> yeah. And so this week, um, I'm going to talk about what I learned this week, uh, thanks to Kwanzer. And for me, I learned that uh, there are different types of thermocouples. I didn't realize that. I'd seen people make thermocouples and I'd use them, but I had no idea that there were different types. Thermocouples are where you have two dissimilar metals and you put them together and they produce a current when there is a temperature. Yes. Yeah. That is true. Cool. They're not the same thing as bimetallic strips. No. Because those move when they have a difference in uh, temperature. Uh, Yeah. Causes yeah. them to flex. Right. Because one expands at a different rate than the other. Yes. Um, anyway, I learned that there are type J, K, and T thermocouples. I don't know what they are, but I know there are three types. So I'm further ahead than I was. Neat. I think they're all different metal combinations. Oh, okay. Like it's always two different metals. So the temperature ranges then? Uh, yeah. Along with a few other things, I think. I don't know. I don't know them that well Maybe either. Maybe the curves or something change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're specialized for different functions. Hmm. That's neat. 
Yay, knowledge. Anyway, thanks, Conzer. So, uh, should we follow that up with some more knowledge? Drop some more knowledge? Yeah. Do it up. Drop it. I'm ready for it. It's science upon the record of the week. Uh, today, May 11th, is my wife's birthday. Hello. And I'm here Happy recording. Happy birthday. i recording birthday. a podcast Why, instead of being at home. <laughs> <laughs> hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, so I figured I would do a call out to that because it, uh, she was born in, on May 11th, 1988. And a hundred years earlier, uh, Irving Berlin was born on May 11th, 1888. So Irving Berlin was the guy who wrote White Christmas along with a lot of other songs that you know and love. Um, especially like really well-known things from musicals. He wrote, he was a very prolific conductor, um, composer, but the interesting fact about him is that he didn't know how to read or write music. He wrote all his songs in his head, then he hummed them to his secretary, what? and his secretary wrote them down. <laughs> wow. See if he had a bot. He, he, could, he hum. could just hum it to <laughs> That would be so awesome. Um, also interesting thing, uh, another interesting thing about Irving Berlin, he almost only played, or almost always only played on the black keys of his piano, and he had special pianos made so that he could shift, he could change what key the black keys played in. Oh, so weird. Instead wow. Of, so he, almost everything he composed, he composed in F sharp, and then it was transposed using foot pedals on his fancy, uh, his fancy that keyboard. So bizarre. Weird. Yeah, he was a strange guy. So yeah, ex- yeah. born, he was exactly a hundred years before my wife. Who is less strange? Yes. And not a guy? No. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with that. Although she can read music. Hey. Hey, she has one up on him. Yeah, exactly. Right now, now she has to go out and compose some like world famous songs and then mm-hmm. she'll be on par. I think All we're right. done. Yeah. I think gonna, we're done here. All right. You're going to tell us a little bit about Rabbit. social media? Yeah. Um, how do you dot engineer? Is our website. <laughs> is our website. <laughs> Come on. We did this so well last week. You can find us on social media at how do you eng? Yep. And you can find us on Reddit at slash r slash how do you eng and also on Pinterest and radio. Oh yeah. You can listen to us every week on Geek Life Radio. Yep. Monday nights at seven o'clock Eastern. Yay. Huzzah. This was brought to you by Gwanzer. Thanks, Gwanzer. <laughs>